Welcome to the Joywell Conversations, the podcast of the Joywell, created to inspire, amplify, and support Black and Brown women everywhere in living their joy out loud. She's an award-winning director and filmmaker. Even CNN identified her as one of the most promising filmmakers to come out of NYU's graduate film program since Martin Scorsese, Spike Lee, Ang Lee, and so many others. But more than that, she is a beautiful soul, sister, and friend. And for that reason, I've invited Christine Swanson to be in conversation with us today. Hi, Christine. Hi, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Thank you for coming. My pleasure. It's so good to have you here because I think in our relationship, um, you have been somebody who has exuded just purpose, drive, passion, and a willingness not to be engaged with sort of the tumultuousness or chaos of the industry. You still always are able to like find your path and be at peace and just enjoy the process. What was the thing that made you consider becoming a filmmaker? Hmm. Well, let's just say sometimes before the light bulb goes off, Mm -hmm. um, a seed is planted in each of us in terms of our purpose and life is is the is part of the process of us discovering what makes that light bulb go off right so Mm -hmm. for many years um you know i'm from detroit michigan and there was not a lot that i could do socially um i I grew up in a very um you know tightly knit family structure where girls were just not allowed to hang out or be at places where, you know, your parents didn't know where you were. But oddly Mm -hmm. enough, one of the things that I could do was go to the movie theater for hours on end. And like, I would get dropped off, Uh me and my brother and my cousins. And then for some reason, I wouldn't get picked up again for another five hours later. And I, in hindsight, I'm like, I know movies are only two hours at most, right? Right. But for some reason, like I, we would just be at the movie theaters um, for the day. And I would just watch, we would movie hop, you know? So it's, all the movies that we could get into, we would watch. And if we couldn't get into like rated R movies, we would watch the PG ones over and over and over again. And somehow that that process got cemented into my learning psyche. And I didn't know what I was doing was I was, see, once you watch the movie the first time, you're just, you're watching it for entertainment value. By the time you see it the second or third time, something else is happening. And what that something Mm. else was happening was an education, but I didn't know to call it that. It was just like, I'm watching these movies over and over again. Now, you know, I have four kids and I see them watching so much content. I don't. I don't really admonish them about that because I'm in an industry where I'm like, yep, learn all you can. And this is where it starts. Right. Now, I'm not encouraging watching content and television ad nauseum, but I know you can do something with that and make a living. And my kids, because we're their dad and I are in an industry, they're just wired mm-hmm. for that, you know? So yeah. I'm like, you know, you can watch it, but let's let's talk about the structure of the writing, you know? Yes. And and, and so I kind of approach it differently or we 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 unpack like the casting process. And that's how our conversations mm. like end up after, you know, watching watching something. So 
I would say that seed was planted early on in that way. Um, when I went to the University of Notre Dame, Spike Lee came to the to the campus to talk about do the right thing. And I kid you not, until that moment, I did not know that there was an industry behind all the content I was watching. I did not know that you could make movies for a living. I just, the light bulb just went on, boom, just like that. I'm like, you know what? This is what I want to do. Right. It was almost like you were, you were fertile ground and then the seed just dropped in. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it just started to sprout in a, in in a small way. And then when I did at that point, I was like a um, finance major at Notre Dame. (laughs) I promptly changed my major to what is now called film and TV. And then I just did research on filmmakers, on Spike Lee. And I learned that he went to NYU Film School. And I decided in my freshman year at Notre Dame that I too would attend NYU Film School. I ended up going there and Spike Lee was my directing teacher my last year at NYU. So it kind of went full circle for me. Oh my gosh. And I love to see patterns where I see God at work. Yeah. You know? And I call these like God winks. God's constantly winking at me like, look, I got you. I'm, I'm running this. You just stay the course. In my you, I just dug in and did the hard work. And I, it was hard of becoming a storyteller. Just because you go to film school, mm. just because you make films, doesn't right. make you a good storyteller. Right. It, it makes you a storyteller. So it, it was like, it, so it's not just that I'm in a school or I have a camera. Uh, my goal was always to tell impactful stories that spoke to the heart, not not entertain, not make a whole lot of money. Right. And granted, you can make a lot of money in this industry. That I mean, yes. you know, not, but not and not and not God forbid, not to be famous. You know, right. and you right. know me, I'm not. I just, I'm, I just, if I had to comb my hair for this interview, then <laughs> I, you know, I'm like, gosh, that's right. not work. So I'm just, I'm, I'm not wired like that. You understand? Yeah. Those are the, those are the entanglements, right? Mm-hmm. The, the purity of, of storytelling in a way that I can touch someone's heart um, really appealed to me. And be, because those are the stories that spoke to me. And I would often ask myself, how do you capture people's hearts? Mm-hmm. And I just went about creating and pursuing an education to do that, not to be a filmmaker. Filmmaker is the medium for which I use currently to access people's hearts. You, you know a little bit how hard <laughs> this industry is. Um, yes. To, 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 it's not easy. Well, yeah, and, and to be, quote unquote, successful. And I, I call it successful mm-hmm. by the world standards. And right. then what, what, what I've learned in my 25 plus years doing this, that's that's a base level standard for which anybody can aspire to and cheat and achieve the, the highest standard to aspire to and, and achieve is success on God's level and God's standards. And mm-hmm. I have to say like in my lifetime, I have yet to achieve that, but the pursuit right. of that, the pursuit of that is what keeps me going every single day. One of the things that you had you had mentioned, even in talking about success, which I, I really want to reiterate, so you might have to repeat this again, mm-hmm. is is how one defines success. You are a woman. Your ethnic background is not white. 
In fact, mm-hmm. your ethnic background is I'm half black and half Korean. Okay, so I'm right Blasian. I'm Blasian. I'm Blasian. Bl- <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that is awesome. That yeah. is also wonderful. But your definition of success and what society deems successful for you is probably very different, right? Like, how did you, how did you come to be? confident in that definition of success, despite the fact that, at least from my point of view, the world isn't always ready to see somebody who looks like I or you successful, unless they've picked you for some reason. Yeah. So that's, that's (laughs) a little interesting, but that's a little interesting to unpack because the way that I'm going to approach answering that, let me just put Mm -hmm. a disclaimer out. Like it's going to sound like, you're a loser. Therefore, <laughs> you have to redefine success in a way that validates your losing ways. Okay. So let, mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to put that out there because the perception of that is, is, can be the case, but, yes, um, right. but, but it's like, I, I feel like, um, the opposite is true. Like, mm. like typically the people that I have seen, um, successful, by the world standards, and that typically means uh, work achievements, fame, wealth, yep. Um, yep. notoriety, power, um, possessions. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so if you have all of those at a high level, then wow, you've made it. You're successful, right? And thankfully, and unfortunately. You know, I'm I'm afforded opportunities to interface with a lot of people who have all of that. Right. And right. I don't feel that. I don't I don't always feel like that is something's just not right for me. You know, that, and that mm-hmm. I'm just speaking for myself, okay? Yes. And that's why I'm saying, right. like, look, call me a loser if you want to, but I feel mm-hmm. like that's if if those are the aspirations, like possession, power position, wealth, you know, if, if, if that's the aspiration and having reached that is the end goal, then I would argue that we, you and us have a poverty of thought and we yeah. have a poverty of ideas and we have a mm. poverty of purpose. Yeah. Because wow. in my experience, the people who have all of that tend to lack in other areas that I put high um, um, esteem in trying to achieve or high purpose in trying to achieve. And those things have to typically, typically have to do with um, empathy, um, humility, mm-hmm. um, love for and care for the least among us. And I just think culturally, those kinds of ideals are not praised. And that is, that has been like the ongoing revelation for me and to me, because when you're young and you're starting out, you know, arguably the best film school in the world. And like your goal is to take over the world. And as a person who has been raised in the faith tradition that, you know, the goal is always Lord, Lord, if you, if you allow me to just do all these things for you, Lord. 
that I'm going to then change the world and I'm going to be such a great giver and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be that, I'm going to be that girl for Jesus. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Now, who do you know personally who who has achieved all of that? Right. Is that, give me, just name me one person. (laughs) I'm going to try. I can't. No, you can't. (laughs) You can't. And the thing is, you don't know it when you're 25 or 26. Yeah. So now, so now that you're 45 or 46, yeah. I'm like, huh, that's, hmm. that was a really a, a poverty of, of, of ambition on my part. Hmm. Wow. And so your whole worldview gets turned upside down. Have, have one child. One child mm-hmm. will change your point of view yeah. about a lot of things. But wow. have four kids, have four kids, mm. and and mm. every one of them will lessen your ambition in ways that you could not imagine. But wow. but they will increase your empathy. They will mm. increase your compassion. They will increase your humility in ways that perhaps I'm speaking for myself that I needed. Well, yeah, the the fact that you say compa- compassion, humility empathy, those three things are wildly necessary to be an effective storyteller too. And you had said- How ironic, right? 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 To be an empathic storyteller and get to the heart of people, you need to be humble. You need to have compassion. You need to have that empathy. Well, it's interesting that you say that because- I, I'm, I'm, I've also been afforded an opportunity to be a teacher too, a professor of screenwriting at yep. the uh, University of Georgia, shout out uh, Bulldogs. Yep. But um, when I first started out, like I knew the kind of storyteller I wanted to be. Hmm. What I've had to discover in my 25 plus years in this industry was to come back to the calling into the purpose Mm -hmm. because Mm. you can lose track and you can lose track with great opportunities. Yeah. You understand? But great opportunities that take you away from what you were always called to do, you know, and I'm not to put anything mystical on calling. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I would, I would also equate that to what your, what your desire is. Yeah. What's What's in your heart to do? That's right. So that has been that has been my consistent, consistent obstacle, so to speak, um, since since the day I started pursuing filmmaking as uh, as a uh, a medium to express ideas and tell stories. That's the thing about your 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 desires. Like unless you get to a point where you are just absolutely ignoring your heart, your soul, your spirit, your body you will always come back to that thing. It will find you somehow. It will make sure it rears its head into your life. So you're like, oh, that again. Oh, she said, you know, yeah. I mean, (laughs) right? Like, And I've seen that um, play out in your life too. Yeah, right? I'm like, girl, you're a doctor. What? No, (laughs) you're an artist. You're an artist. Call me when you figure that and it out. Keeps coming back. It keeps coming back. It absolutely does. And, it's, and it's- actually, I'm glad you brought that up because 
even in the thing that you desire most coming back to you and then you say, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pursue it. You know, there is hard work involved. I mean, you mentioned it even earlier. Like mm-hmm. the, the, it's not an easy path. No, it's not. I mean, even for you doing something that you love, that brings you joy, what has it, what has gotten you through the hard stuff? Here's the thing. It's, it's it, I always aspired to be a movie director, right? Mm-hmm. I never aspired to be a mother. Hmm. Not sure that I ever aspired to be a wife. Wow. And those are the two things <laughs> that were also cemented early on while I was pursuing the art. Wow. You know? And un- un- unwittingly, I have to tell you, unwittingly, uh, like when I, mm. when, I, when I met my husband, like, gosh, I was yeah. going into my senior year in high school. Wow. And, and I met this guy and I've been with him ever since. Who plans on meeting does that? your husband <laughs> before the summer before your senior year in high school? And now I'm, Michael and I have been together 30 years. Wow. Okay, so so I didn't plan that, yeah. right? So yeah. um and then like the first feature film that I make, um mm-hmm. in pre-production, I get pregnant with my first son. Hmm. Like and honestly, we didn't plan that, you know? Yeah. And I but I dare say that was the path for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And okay, because those things were cemented in my life. So no matter what, like by by the time I graduated from NYU film school, there's a photo of me with my cap and gown and my husband, and I'm holding my one-year-old son in my arm. Like that, that was almost like prophetic. Like, yes, yes, you did it. You have a degree in filmmaking from NYU, but you got the, you got a kid in your arm and you got, you got got your husband by your side. That is who you are. Don't forget wow. it. Okay, go. Wow. I've always had to balance that. And I dare say, like, that has been the thing that has kept me encouraged, focused, and on the right path. Uh, meaning, yeah. filmmaking is one part of a whole. Mm-hmm. Being an artist is mm-hmm. one part of a whole that yeah. encompasses Christine Swanson. So... When I have struggles and, and, and difficulties in that part of me, there are other parts of me that are also operating. <laughs> I have found for me, um, those other parts of my life, being a wife and being a mother, those are the parts that fuel mm-hmm. me and keep mm-hmm. me aligned with who I am mm-hmm. all the time. And, and, and wow. there's, a, I mean, there's a huge part of me that has a faith component without which you know, right. you know, it, that's, that's what completes me. So I'm um, just yeah. to say I'm made of four parts and, yeah. and, and, and sometimes not all those parts are, you know, operating at optimum, you know, exactly. and, 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 and the, what I love about the purpose of being a multi-dimensional woman is that this ain't working today. I can work on this or I can work on me. Or I can help my husband do something, or I can help my children do something. Preach. So I just feel yeah. like there is there is more to me that fuels me. And being an artist, as much as I love walking in that space, 
I love walking in the space of motherhood. I love mm. walking in the space of being Michael Swanson's wife. Mm-hmm. I love walking in the space of being a, a, a servant of the Lord, you know? And that is beautiful. All of that makes up Christine Swanson. The danger, I believe, is when Christine Swanson puts too much mm-hmm. in one and not having balance in the others. And that's that's something I have learned over time. Tune in to part two of my conversation with Christine Swanson, where we get into some more sisterly insights into balance, motherhood, living your best life, and of course, joy. You've been listening to The Joy Well Conversations, a podcast for The Joy Well. This episode was written and produced by Chisara Asamoga with music by Kevin McLeod. A very special thank you to Christine Swanson. And to all of you listening, remember, love joy, be joy, live joy well.